This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Only on the BetQL Network. And welcome into Tapped Out here on the BetQL Network with Brendan Tobin and Jake Nowaker. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. Lots to get into. Not a whole lot of time to get into it, so here we go. UFC 297 main event. Drakus Duplessis back in the octagon versus Sean Strickland. But, BT, looks like they're trying to add a fun one to this card. How about this? Kevin Holland versus Michael Venom Page. What does that do for you? Oh, gives me the goosies, dude. That's a great right? fight for, for Michael Venom Page's first fight in the uh, in the octagon. Two crazy strikers. It feels impossible that that wouldn't even be fight of the night. It is. Uh, that's a great one. I saw that Holland said that he hadn't been, uh, I guess, offered the fight, but he think, but he also said that they don't offer me fights because they know I'm just going to say yes. So I love that fight. I think that's awesome that that leaked this week. A perfect first fight for Michael Venom Page, and it's kind of a pickup, man. I don't know who I got in that one. I think I got MVP, although, man, Kevin Holland, you're right. Dude is a gamer. He's the modern-day Cowboy Cerrone, where if there's a fight and somebody needs to step in, Kevin Holland is that dude. I mean, credit to Sean Strickland. He's been that guy also in the past where short notice, he's ready to step up and get in the octagon. All right, UFC 298, speaking of short notice, last time we saw Alexander Volkanovsky getting kicked in the head, but that was on less than two weeks' notice. He's in the main event. That's taking place in Anaheim versus Ilya Taporia. Volk, no surprise, is the favorite at minus 175. We talked about this a little bit at the end of the show, the show last week. I saw something about the public money coming in, and most of the time that's all dumped in on Alexander Volkanovsky, especially the last couple of years. Like 70% of the public bets so far are coming in on Taporia. What do you make of that? Uh, I think that people feel like they're going to keep just hopping on uh, Taporia just because a couple of things. One, Volk is coming off of a, a nasty loss where he got finished and maybe think that this is a little bit too soon for him. Taporia has shown himself to be a hell of a prospect. Um, it is a quick turnaround you know, after a knockout like that. It'd be one thing if you got yeah. choked out or if it went the distance. When you get kicked in the head like that, there's a lot of stuff. To, and I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on the radio. You know that. But your head's rattling around, man. Like, to get back in the octagon that quick against a guy like bad cut Taporia, too. he could do the same thing. Yeah, it was a bad cut, too. And I think there's also maybe a level of, man, Volkanovski was really shooting for the stars there. Now he's kind of got to go back and defend his belt. Like his head gonna is his head and heart gonna be. I don't worry about that stuff. I think that this guy is just such a winner. I think that he can focus himself and snap himself back into. All right, time to go back and win this belt. Um, 
But I think I think if I had to give a number one factor to it, it's just the turnaround from the from Volk getting knocked out. And number two is there's a lot of people that think that Taporia is that dude and that he is uh he's you know that we have seen a lot of changeover in the UFC. There have not been a lot of guys holding on to their belts, and that this just may be the time. This may be the dude to do it. In the crate, this is the guy that Patty Pimblett was getting into it with like a year and a half ago behind stage. And then think about the stock that has been Patty Pimblett. It's basically, you'd say, gone down slowly. And then you look at Ilya Taporia, and it has just shot up. It's crazy. Speaking of stocks that I would want my money invested in, Sugar Sean O'Malley takes on Cheeto Vera at UFC 299. BT, tell him where that's at. Hey, it's coming back down to the fight capital of the world, baby. Right down here to the 305 and one of Dana White's new annual stops. It is coming to Miami, and I cannot wait. I am excited about my guy, Sugar Sean O'Malley, my friend, my the guy who 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 just you know knows he he supports everything there that is. we do here yep. on this show. That that Hold is on, our I can't guy. See that. Right what did there. he call you? What did he call you there? I, I can't see that was, exactly. A uh, fat guy on the right doesn't seem to be very yeah. smart. That's my guy right there, dude. He <laughs> is a delight. And But I will say, look, the one thing I will say to appreciate from Dana is he comes down here, and for the longest time, I, I will not, you know, Mince Words, my, my town, it is an event city. You have to come correct with big-time events, and this is probably one of the biggest fights of the year that you can bring down. It's a huge grudge match. Sean is one of the biggest stars in the UFC right now. I think this is going to do monster, monster numbers down here. The people are already saying, man, the prices last year for uh, for Stylebender versus Pajeda and Jorge versus Gilbert, those prices were crazy. I imagine they're going to be even crazier for this one because, uh, yeah, this is this is going to be a fun matchup, a fun, a fun matchup that's going to have a hell of a buildup. As you slip in the special VIP door with your credential and sit optic That's right. side. No, you're right. I'm sure that is going to be expensive for some people to go in there and watch that fight. It, on the real, though, I do think Miami is now part of a rate. Like, it makes Miami makes a lot of sense. And the real question is, why did it take so damn long for them to become part of the rotation? It's kind of crazy. Like, outside of, I would say, Las Vegas, you could argue kind of Phoenix has become a little bit of a hub. I mean, South Florida is where it's at when it comes to mixed martial arts in our country. And then they went, what, like 20 years between Miami UFC shows? It's nuts. Yeah, this is a very layered topic that I could get into. First, what happened is they got kind of blacklisted. Where they had a really bad uh, turnout to, a, to a, an event probably like in 2010. And then they didn't come back for a long, long time. Finally did to a Sunrise event, which actually did pretty good. And it, and it did good for, like, the main event changed, like, nine times. And they did, I think, like, over a million gate. And Dana White was like, oh, we're going to come back to South Florida eventually. Pandemic hits. And he cozies up to Florida because it's one of the first states that opens up. And, you know, Jacksonville gets a ton of events. Orlando gets an event. But, like, he still hadn't come back down to Miami. And... You know, that's my boy, Jorge Masvidal. Like, to his credit, his star power was still very, very high. He knew that if he had him on the event, it was going to sell like gangbusters, and it did. And um, they, I think he said it outdrew MSG the last time, or it was every, it outdrew everything other than Vegas and MSG. So it was like, it was drawing like a main city. And he said they're going to be an annual stop now uh, going forward. And so it's really, really cool. 
and they're giving them big time events. And I'm sure the city's going to turn out crazy for it because this city, uh, everybody trains down here. It's a hotbed, and um, it's not like it was ten years ago. It's it's uh, it's a cra- it's crazy about fighting. I love me some Miami. You know I love Miami. Miami's own Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. We got some other good fights coming up ahead to talk about. How about uh, Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez, too? You got to wait till February oh. for that one. Ortega, where you been? I love Brian. I think I have a man crush on Ortega more than any other human on planet Earth. There, I can admit it. Where you been, dude? And I hope that he looks a whole lot, I guess, healthier and better this time against Ortega. You know where my money's going. Look, I mean, uh, this is definitely uh, one of those where, like, we had the uh, the whole thing with them. They were supposed to match up. We had the unfortunate thing with the injury. So, you know, it's been a long wait for him to to get back. Shoulders are always tricky. But, you know, I think that they have to probably be very interested in UFC 298, too, of like, hey, what if Volkanovski does lose? I'm sure if Volk wants it, he'll get an immediate rematch. But what if he does it? What if he's tired of it and does want to go chase 155? So huge opportunity for both of these guys. Um, you know, a matchup that I think I I really want to see some finality to. And I think that, you know, they're both at this point of their career where they both need to get wins to re-solidify themselves and get themselves back into contendership. Maybe that will be going up against a new champion. But as we saw with welterweight, you know, once, uh, you know, Camargo's down or Israel Adesanya goes down, now all of a sudden it feels like there's all these fresh matchups. It's not a bad thing for a dominant champ to go down. And so that's where these guys got to be looking at this uh, opportunity at. It's a, it's a fun fight. Hey, speaking of fresh matchups, Brandon Moreno, he's been needing one for a while. Now, we saw him against Pantoja lose the strap. Obviously, all those stripes against Davison Figueredo. That same night, February 24th, Brandon Moreno versus Amir Albazi. That's another fun fight. Did you see the Sean Strickland CCTV footage or the ring cam footage when he got robbed earlier this week? Have you seen, have you seen this? I did. That was crazy. Uh, well, like some guy apparently like came into his development, but like was like, I guess was, was he running from the cops too? Cause he was like, his tires were gone and Sean's like holding the dude at gunpoint. <laughs> crazy. So, so whatever the guy did, he was up to no good. I'll tell you this. He might've ended up in the worst place in planet earth. You know what I mean? Like you could end up in a swamp. Yeah. You could end up in a desert. That's fine. You end up outside of Sean Strickland's house, and he thinks that you're up to no good. And then if you haven't seen it, yeah, Strickland comes out with a gun and basically defends himself and his own property. That's literally the last thing that I would like to have. Like, if you could, I, that's the worst way to go. Now, obviously, the guy Strickland didn't pull the trigger, and everything ended up being okay, and they hauled the guy off the jail. But dude, that is a bad spot to be. Yeah, because you figure like, oh, out of all, look at all these houses. If I walk down my neighborhood. I got Gertrude. I got Mr. Roger. You're a nice old woman, uh, for sure. Yeah, no big deal. I, I, oh, I ended up outside the middleweight champion of the world's <laughs> house. Yes, that's a bad pick. It's bad karma coming your way that entire day. It really is. Uh, maybe you can tell me exactly what's going on. So I watched it three times, and I was um, underwhelmed, to say the least. And then I saw that 71 million other people have watched the same video. CM Punk's return to the WWE. What? He didn't wrestle or anything, right? He just grabbed the microphone for a few minutes and spoke. Cool. Am I missing something here? I think it was because it was, I mean, it was in his hometown of Chicago. That's always usually a big deal because he gets a big pop there. Uh, I think the reason it's a big deal for WWE is because he sued them. Like it was a big, it was like a huge falling out between 
him in the UFC. I mean, him in the WWE, he sued them and their doctors, I believe, at one point. Um, and then I think he went to um, AEW, the Jaguars owners wrestlers, and that didn't work out. He apparently, apparently, he's a he's a bit of a head case, and so he goes back to WWE where he sued him. So I think that's why it's such a big deal is he's back okay. with the company that you know he had a bad burning of bridge with. Okay, I thought that I missed something that night. I thought that he jumped from the bleacher. You know, I thought that he had some great match or you know lost or had some highlight. We're talking about litigation. We're talking. I don't. Okay, I don't care. No, he just walked out. He walked out, and everybody's like, "CM Punk." They did. They were happy. I saw that, there. and then I watched it again because I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Thank you for clarifying that for me. Uh, it, I will say though, of one thing, Sean, before you wrap here is it is funny that every time Dana White, if he ever tries to scoff at a fight or a circus fight, never forget that he had CM Punk do two fights in the octagon. And am I a jerk for thinking less of him because I saw him actually fight? I can't be the only one that feels that way. He got his ass whooped. You're not a jerk. Twice. I just always find it. I just find it funny that Dana White is always like, "Oh, I would never do that." It's like, dude, you had CM Punk fight in the octagon. Twice. Like, what are we talking Twice. about? Twice. And the first Twice. time it did not go well, and he was like, "Let's try that again." All right, Saturday night, BKFC 56. This is a perfect matchup: Mike Perry versus Eddie Alvarez. I guess you got to play the underdog money of plus two hundred, right, on Eddie? <sighs> I, I'm a big fan of like experience in BKFC as a former voter of the BK, uh, the bare knuckle rankings. I, mm -hmm. uh, I, I always lean with guys who have done it more, even though Eddie Alvarez is also probably one of these guys bred for it. I think Mike Perry might be one of the guys, maybe outside of Luis Baboon Palomino, who might be the best at this in the world. Um, so I'd still rock with, uh, with Mike Perry and that one. I think that he's just built for this. But Eddie uh, is, is as good a challenge as he could probably get because he is crazy and he will get violent. And so I think he'll come into the sport and, and do it again with the right mentality. But the more reps you have in it, the better because it is different. The distance is different. The kind of aggression you have to have is a little bit different. A um, lot of cuts, which uh, Eddie Alvarez is no stranger to. But Mike Perry just seems to be bred for bare knuckle. He should be the logo for bare knuckle. I don't know what the logo is off the top of my head, but it could be a silhouette of mike perry uh just to wrap up the news and notes of mixed martial arts this week in case you missed it pfl world championships kayla harris uh decision over aspen lad same thing Derek brunson unanimous decision over ray cooper coming up on the other side demetrius johnson put out his top five best ufc fighters of all time did he have himself on the list i did and as a matter of fact i think there are like three or four active fighters on the all-time top 10 we discuss on the other side, Brendan, Sports Machine, Jake, and you on the BetQL Network.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Tapped out Brendan Tobin, sports machine, Sean Levine. Last weekend, went to the petting zoo with the niece and nephew. Great experience until we stepped into that goat pen, right? And then all of a sudden, my clean, fresh Nikes, not so much. Those things are disgusting. I can't believe they let people go in them. But I do like goats when it comes to mixed martial arts, greatest of all time. The argument, I think, is over. John Jones told us himself after his last win that he's the greatest, and we've all kind of thought that for a while. Demetrius Johnson was asked earlier this week who he thought was the greatest mixed martial artist of all time and if he had himself on said list. So he had Anderson Silva at number one. He gave us a top four, a final four, essentially. He had Anderson Silva at four. He had GSP at three. He had himself at two. And then he had John Jones at one. We'll get deep into the conversation. I came, up with, I came up with my own top 10 list, and you're going to be surprised who I don't have on the list. Let's just go ahead and start right here. Do you have any problem with Demetrius Johnson having himself the second best mixed martial artist of all time behind, 
I, I think it's unanimous. I think it's basically like Michael Jordan at this point or almost Tom Brady. Nobody argues that John Jones is the best Miss Martial Artist of all time. Do you have a problem with DJ saying he's number two? I absolutely don't have a problem with him saying that he's number two. I think that if anybody is going to, you know, put themselves and defend themselves in the history of the sport, he definitely should. I think one of the biggest crimes out there is that he was somehow blamed for flyweight not being uh hip you know because you know he was a boring i didn't think that mighty mouse was a boring fighter i really liked watching mighty mouse fight i wish i almost wish that he we'd still get one more run with him i think that uh it would be great if that could happen for the ufc but you know it probably won't happen this dude was as dominant as it gets didn't really have a weakness um would finish fights, got more exciting as it goes. I think that uh, he definitely deserves a spot on that list and uh, and is, is I have no problem with him putting himself number two. If he would have put himself number one, I mean, we could definitely quibble about that. But no, he, he, I think that's fine. You've got a quicker Google finger than me. How old is he? Because last time he was out, I mean, he's still flying knee people. I don't necessarily think that that's a conversation that's done with. I think Demetrius Johnson could come back and we could see him in the UFC octagon again. He's 30, just turned 37. I mean, it's not a crazy thing. He's a baby. Thing. He's a steep, it's what's steep, a 43? Yeah, it's not. It, it, and look, he's, I, I guess, done good with one FC. And, you know, you could watch him at three in the morning every now and then to remind you, like, how great this is. And, you know, usually once that UFC bridge is burned, it is hard to, it feels like, to, to kind of get back. I just, I never understood why with him it felt like people were like oh well he's boring or it's too dominant and it's like when in the sport do we not like this this is such a strange thing and then they were gonna like close down the division like i've always like i thought mighty mouse was a more fun fighter than triple c like i didn't i i, I didn't understand that and triple c was kind of looked as the guy who like resurrected everything and i'm like i don't i don't get that that's weird it almost took a loss for us to respect him, right? It almost took him losing the belt for us to look back and go, man, Demetrius Johnson was that great because he was so dominant. And for a while, the only guy that had held that flyweight belt. All right, here's my list. And I took the liberty of going with my all-time top 10 best UFC fighters. So obviously, Fedor would be on this list if we were talking about mixed martial artists. But I, this is just UFC. And I also left the ladies out. So no disrespect to the Amanda Nunes of the world. Some of the great UFC gotcha. fighters have been women for this particular list. I just did the guys. I told you that I had three active fighters on my top 10 list. Before we dive too far into this, why did you scoff before the commercial break? I you didn't think like you scoff. said top 10. I thought you said top five. I was like three out of top five. That seems insane. All right, here we go. That, that's why I missed your scoff. I don't have in my top 10 Max Holloway. Stipe Miocic, the aforementioned Henry Cejudo, Matt Hughes, Chuck Liddell, or Conor McGregor. Let's just start there. And be honest with me, because I know you and I have a lot of fun with Conor and where he should rank with Jose Aldo and that fight and his highlights and never defending the belt. Is it silly of me not to have him on the top 10 list? Top 10, I feel like he's got to crack that. He's just one of these guys. Like, I just feel like his importance in the sport and what he did accomplish in the sport before he started losing a lot. Um, 
I, I'd have to hear the guys you have above them for sure before I can completely berate you about it. But I think that's uh that's a bit that's a big ask if you're keeping him outside the top ten. Then let me clarify: this particular list is just what he's done inside, just what the, these guys have done inside the UFC octagon. There's my specifics: UFC. So it can't be just a pride fighter, can't be a belt, whatever. In the case of, of Fedor. No disrespect to Amanda, but this is just a guy's list. And no disrespect to Connor. He's on the Mount Rushmore of most important Dude, UFC fighters. Listen to me. But come on, man. We're talking about actually fighting. I love your lists. You're a big list guy. Big just list get to guy. your list. You don't have you don't have to okay. give me nine caveats. Let's fight it out. I don't need a hundred clarifications on it. All right. Get to your damn need top it. ten. Let's go. That's what I need. I need you, Let's I need get you to, to push it. me along. All right. Here we go. Number 10. He is active. He is Kamaru Uzman. He's 20 and three with five defenses. I don't want to make you wait. So at number nine, Daniel Cormier, very similar record actually to Usman. So Usman, like I said, 20 and three, DC 22 and three, and he defended his belt four different times. Say what you will about his fights versus John Jones at number eight, Jose Aldo Jr. 31 and eight crazy highlight film. And then the seven title defenses. Don't shake your head at me. We'll get there. At number seven, Alexander Volkanovsky. I will say he was the most difficult one for me to place where he is in the all-time pantheon of fighters. Only because he's coming off of a loss. But before that, he was so dominant. Who he lost to, how he's lost. It's just, for all I know, when he's all said and done, we think of Volk as a top five all-time fighter right now. I've got the 26-3 and three Volkanovsky and six title defenses as the seventh best UFC fighter of all time. At number six, and here's your last active fighter, by the way, on my list, Israel Adesanya, 24-3, and three, and he's defended his belt eight separate times. So those are your three active fighters, by the way. Usman at 10, Volk at seven, Izzy at six. Here's my top five. Number five, Khabib. I understand if you think that Khabib left a little bit early. He left a little bit of meat on the bone. That's fine. His actual resume to me, why he did fight, was impressive enough. 29-0 and 0 and three title defenses. I've got Demetrius Johnson at number four. It has nothing to do with his size. It has nothing to do with his style. I just think the three guys ahead of him were better inside the octagon. 31-4 and four for Demetrius Johnson and 11 title defenses at number three Anderson Silva Silva's a tough one because Silva's kind of gone out on his sword and what I mean by that is for the last what three four years we've seen Anderson Silva fight whether it's boxing or UFC or whatever it is we've seen him on his back we've seen him knocked out a lot I choose to not remember that Anderson Silva and the early years of Silva and his prime at number two George St. Pierre, 26-2 and two with nine title defenses. My only knock on St. Pierre, my only knock on – well, actually, I've got two. <laughs> he lost the fight against Johnny Hendricks, so that should be 25-3. and three. No big deal. But everybody knows he lost that fight. And he has the biggest upset of all time on his resume. Now, I'm not going to hold that okay. against you. I'm just going to point it out that he did lose to Matt Sarah, which is just nuts. Sarah came in. As like a 15 to 1 underdog, and we don't need to spend too much time. Number one, we all agree John Jones, 27 and 1, 19 wins in a row, 15 title defenses. All right, now tear my list apart. 
Um, all right. Like, I don't think it's an awful list. Let me just say that. I don't think you did a, a crazy that. job. I knew that you were going to do the Aldo thing. I don't know if we want to do that for the hundredth time on this show. I just will no, say, I just will say like, you know, not having Connor on the list and you got Jose Aldo on eight and Connor's knocked him out in 13 seconds and won two championships in two divisions. It's a little bit weird. Um, Cormier is an interesting one to me because Stipe beat him twice. And I think a lot of people would regard in the heavyweight goat uh, debate that Stipe is more deserving of that title. And if you're a goat of a division, especially heavyweight, which is kind of hollowed, I kind of feel like he's either got to knock one of these people off or he's got to replace Cormier. I, I think Stipe being off that list is probably my biggest uh, quarrel with the, with this list so far. Um, your top four, I'm totally fine with. You can interchange a bunch of those guys. I don't care about Spider losing at the end of his career, like his right. aura and what he meant to you know. It was what it was. So, no, uh, no issue there. I, I and, and the only other thing I'd say is like, is Style Bender too high? I, I, I think that he's a you know definitely I think is deserving of, but being just outside the top five, I feel is a little strong for him. Um. And yeah, I, I I think that like, I think that's probably, but but it's not a bad list. I think it's it's fine. Jake, you have uh, where where are you at with it? Yeah, so not a bad list, but you're forgetting someone. I don't know if you're forgetting someone or if you overlooked the man, but I didn't hear Matt Hughes on that list. Am I wrong? No, I, Matt Hughes honorable. was honorable. He's honorable mentions. Matt Hughes lives with the. The Max Holloways and the Steep Amiotis and the, the Henry Cejudos and the Conor McGregors. And that's not a bad neighborhood to live in. It's top 20, Jake. It's just not top 10. Uh, yeah, but he might have to be top 10 for me. He's got nine title defenses, 45 and nine. And he's like early pioneer. I don't, and he's so dominant. Every win was so dominant. I, I'm a Matt Hughes guy. So oh, he's on my good list. Guy. I don't know where. When, when he dragged what Frank Trigg across that cage, oh my. Goodness. Yeah, I'm a huge Nasty. Matt Hughes guy, too. It's just uh, I can only come up with 10, guys. Sorry. It's a Levine's list. The number ends at 10, and that's why we get into these beefs. It's always okay. fun. It's always good conversation. And you tell me, if I just gave you the three active fighters and I made you rank them, BT, you can take Israel Adesanya, you can take Kamaru Usman, and Alexander Volkanovsky, the three current fighters that I have in my top 10. What order would you even put those guys in? For the record, I had Volk. Uh, I had, had Volk. I, I, I had Izzy, Volk, Usman. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think, Jake you know, Volk, I, Usman, Izzy. I got Usman, Izzy, Volk. Uh, okay, so we're mine. all on and it's that's, really, that's what I'm looking for. It's, it's a really tough one. I just think the – look, Usman, to me, the reason I think that he – deserves to be high I, I i just i never thought anybody could get close to touching gsp and he literally was 15 seconds away i think from doing it before he got head kicked and that's the cruelty of the sport you know like that's that's what that's just what it comes down to but he just i'll never forget how shocked i was when he lost to leon edwards which i think speaks almost to his greatness and i wasn't as shocked when izzy lost to pajeda maybe because we talked a lot about it happening in another sport it was really cool seeing him avenge that but you know we've kind of seen some more chinks in the armor 
as it's gone on. With with Usman, it feels a little bit more like a wear down. Maybe it is an age thing. Um, and I don't know. And then I, I think with Volk, you know, Volk's just been a badass. But I, I, I don't know. I just have Usman over him. I think he's just been a little bit more dominant. That's another fun game. Like, which guy were you most surprised to see get finished violently? Because in the last calendar year, now we've seen it happen to Izzy. We've seen it happen to Usman. We've seen it happen to Volk. I think it's Volk. I thought his head was made of cement. I can't believe that anybody can knock that guy out, but apparently it's possible. Coming up, we wrap things up, gave you our best bets for UFC Austin. What a great card it is on Saturday night, and I got some winners for you right here on the BetQL Network. Step into the cage with Brendan Tobin in Are You Gonna Fight Me? I'm gonna fight your ass. Here on Tapped Out. That's right, fight me like a man. Only on the BetQL Network. You know the rules. I want a good, clean fight. When I tell you to break, I want you to step back out my command and break. And I go back to the corner and come out fighting at the bell. Welcome back into Tapped Out on the BetQL Network on YouTube on the Odyssey app. With Brendan on the sports machine. Put your gloves up, my guy. Time to fight. Patty Pimblett on the next card. He says his upcoming fight versus Tony Ferguson is a lose-lose situation. I completely agree. I don't really see what he has to gain. He's going to be the favorite. Everybody thinks Tony's done. If Patty doesn't look awesome out there, everybody's going to go, yeah, he's not the dude. And maybe even if he does, I agree. There's not a whole lot for Patty to gain by fighting Tony. Well, that's why I'm going to fight you. I mean, you said it in there is he's just got to look awesome. If he goes out there and he looks awesome, I don't think it's lose-lose. I think that if he goes there and he does what he's supposed to do, it's already a step up from his last fight. And, you know, if he goes and especially gets a finish, I think that that's going to be fine on people. Yeah, people will feel bad for Tony, but I still think it's a good name to have on your resume. I think that the one good thing with that is even if you think Tony should have retired two fights ago, and you think he's got nothing left in the tank, there ain't an MMA soul on this planet, not an MMA fan on this planet that ain't interested in watching his fights. That's just the facts. Every time you're going to want to watch Tony Ferguson fight, ergo, we're going to watch him fight Patty Pimblett, who we're already already interested in fighting. So there are two people who everybody wants to tune in and see them fight. 
I don't understand how that could be a lose-lose situation. It seems like all that you have to do is go out there and have a great performance. Now, if he goes out there and he stinks up the joint, yeah, he's going to face a lot of criticism because a ton of people think that Tony Ferguson is washed. I'm almost worried about his mindset there in that when you're talking down an opportunity, it almost feels like you're not confident in yourself that you can, per can perform to the best of your capabilities. So I disagree with him. I think there's an opportunity for him to come out of this looking good, but I think that he should have a better attitude about it, Patty. Bad attitude. Nobody wants that. I'll pull this card over right now, kids. The problem is, I guess, what if he loses? Because like you said, everybody's buried Tony Ferguson now for a while, and I'll disagree with the premise that it looks good on your resume. Not really. People are going to go back and go, was that at what point in his career was it he beat Tony Ferguson after what six, seven straight losses it would be? So yeah, I think that Patty needs to go out there and not just win, but look awesome. But to your point about everybody's gonna watch, yes, this should be main eventing something. Not because the guys are great fighters, but because they are very fun fighters to watch. I'll give you that. Yeah, and so from my standpoint, what happens if he loses to Tony Ferguson? Uh, a whole lot of steam gets taken out of the Patty Pimblet rocket, All uh, for sure. Um, on the other side of it, Tony Ferguson's back, and so we in our in our world, it could be win win. It could be you know, hey, Patty has a thrilling performance, and all of a sudden we're excited about Patty Pimblet fighting again. I do think it depends on like how he goes about it. You know, a lot of this we have seen with fight fans is. It's not just how you win, but there's an element of, of um, you know, how you go about celebrating your win. If you do it a wrong way, you look at, like, an Aljamain Sterling, people don't seem to forget that stuff. They seem to hold a grudge against you. So I do think Patty has to be mindful of that if he goes and embarrasses Tony. But if Tony wins and he beats Patty Pimblett, I mean, that's one of the hottest names in the sport. How is that not going to be huge for him? Can you imagine if he like parlayed that into a few more wins and then the dream with me like another contract? Because everybody, he's, he's El Kakui. He is the monster. He is the scary one. It would be unbelievable if he rose from the dead like Undertaker. And, and we've seen this. I mean, we're going to talk about Dan Hooker coming up a little bit later on in the show. He looked like he was done. Then he went on a little bit of a winning streak. Tai Tuivasa comes to mind. Looked like he was done. Then he won three or four fights in a row. We're like, maybe he's going to fight for the belt. This has happened to guys before. So. I'm not saying it's going to. I think more likely, I think the most likely thing to happen, I hate to say it, is Patty beats him up and then Tony retires. But that's why we're watching coming up. All right, we're watching Ian Gary. We were talking about this a little bit during the break. Uh, not a great week for him. He's been in the news a lot. It's been mentioned that at Killcliffe, he got knocked out. And a lot of people have said he's got knocked out a few times at training. Um, you're going to fight me if all that being said, he apparently took his wife's last name. Weird stuff going on for Ian Gary. All these things going on. You're going to fight me if I say, I still think there's a chance he's a future champion. I mean, everybody thinks the world of his talent. Uh, this is another guy that I think it was interesting watching his last fight because he kind of went from like this wholesome, you know, young prospect to feeling like he was trying to tap into his Conor McGregor. And we've seen this before. Colby Covington, hell, parlayed a lot of uh, main event fights to do it. He's probably doing the right thing in that get some people to hate you. You'll get to bigger fights faster. Um, but it is interesting. You know, Killcliffe and everybody over there seems to not really dig the guy. And that's a pretty, you know, the thing about Killcliffe, for, for people who don't know, it's a South Florida gym down here. 
it's been like nine different names. It's originally the Black Zillions, if you guys recall. That's this is like its third, fourth incarnation. But a lot of those dudes, the OGs of that place, are close. They've been training forever. A lot of people they will bring in guys who, you know, Michael Chandler will spend a lot of time down there and uh, the likes of, you know, Rashad Evans is like the godfather of that place. Gilbert Burns, all these guys. Brendan Allen came out this week. It's like, yeah, I don't I don't mess with the guy. I, I didn't like him. And, you know, it's kind of like once you're out, you're out. That happens. It's a very big thing in American Top Team, too. And, and it seems like, you know, as he's ventured from gym to gym, you know, there's been rumors about him getting knocked out by Leon Edwards. So I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on with him. I think that, yes, he's a very talented kid. Um very very good striker but it does feel like maybe the fame's going to his head a little bit i don't know if that means he won't still succeed in his next fight but it does appear that uh there's been a lot of distractions outside of the uh the cage and especially with you know sean strickland going after him and his wife this week and all that stuff to add on top of it so he's got a lot more drama which cannot be easy when you're trying to focus on just winning a fight I can't stand sparring stories. You know what I mean? It's like there's a reason why that's practice and why most people don't talk about it. If somebody gets knocked out, if somebody gets beat up, to me it's like baseball spring training. You know, like if you give up a couple of home runs, you're trying different stuff. It doesn't really matter. Nobody's supposed to talk about it until it's a real game. So maybe you try a curveball when you should have thrown a fastball and you give up a home run, if that makes sense. Like sparring stories are just silly. Oh, I knocked out this guy. Leon clipped him. Yeah, he probably did. But again... I think that Ian Gary has proven once he's inside of that octagon, he's really, really good. Like, he could be fighting for the belt within a calendar year. Speaking of the belt, I told you the same thing when we first started this show. I said, guess who's going to be heavyweight champion really soon? Tom Aspinall. John Jones and him have had a little bit of a back and forth. More Tom saying that John Jones should vacate the belt the same way that we've seen Yuri and Jamal Hill do before with the light heavyweight strap. And I agree. And let me tell you why. John Jones is not the one, I think, John, with John's history and how many times that he's gone away for whatever reason, legal reasons, his own reasons, to switch weight classes, whatever it is, he ain't the guy to trust, I'm going to come back and fight within X number of days. I would argue there's a chance that we never see John Jones in the octagon again. So, I agree with Tom Aspinall. I think John should vacate the belt, and if he's good enough, come back and win it. You going to fight me? I'm torn on this because I get both sides of it. Like, there's an element of you want to not leave the division in limbo, but it's also a very strange place the division's in. Like, I get it. John's been irresponsible in the past. This was an unfortunate injury that happened to him. Tom Aspinall got a very fortunate situation Otherwise, he might not have been fighting for the belt for another year. So true. John true. Jones's peck blowing up is the reason he should vacate the belt. I, I kind of don't dig that from Tom Aspinall, to be honest with you. Like, if anything, everything should be him focused on. I want to work my way into getting a fight with John Jones. I think that is the the more badass way to go about it than okay, you win the title, but you're the undisputed champion, but you're not the undisputed champion because we're all oh, going to no, look no, no, upon no. it as John Jones being the guy. Like it's, it's a pointless thing, I guess is what I'm getting at for, for Tom Aspinall. Like who cares whether or not John Jones drops the belt and you're the undisputed champion, but it was just because John dropped the belt or you're just the interim champion. 
all roads are going to lead to, hey, I want you to fight John Jones. It's kind of similar to John has got a little asterisk on his belt too because Francis is, you know, left without losing the belt. So yeah. I don't go and, I, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of these things like I don't forget what happens. So I don't understand why you feel like you have this need to have John Jones drop the belt. You have your hardware at home. It's not any different than the other belt. It's not, it doesn't have a, an eye on – it's not I UFC champion. It looks the same. So, like, I don't understand what his problem is. Well, yeah, but when he goes to bed, he he knows he has that eye. He knows it's interim. I mean, we've seen guys just leave that belt on the canvas and say, I want to fight for the real one. So, interim I, I think that's a real cool champion. move. It is a cool but I think move. That's a, definitely – Like, when, when, when Gaethje did that, I thought that was badass. I thought that was really cool. And, and then I don't hate on anybody who wants to parade around their interim title. I think that's a cool thing, too, but – Okay, so you care that John Jones has vacated the belt and that made you undisputed champion as opposed to you just won the interim belt? Who cares? Here's what you're missing, dude. You agree that all roads ultimately should lead to, or in the case of Aspinall, if he gets to fight John Jones and beat him, now you're in a different conversation. Now you beat the greatest of all time, right? But we've also, you and I have spoke many times, John's probably not going to do that. John doesn't have a whole lot to gain. He has a whole lot to lose. Here's the thing. You just kind of poke the bear. You say, you know what, bear? Why don't you just go ahead and vacate that title, man? That thing's mine. I'm the real champion. This is Tom Aspinall's version of talking smack. He's too nice of a guy to come out and flat out say, John's scared. He's not going to. He's never. He's not that guy. Aspinall's not going to come out and talk that kind of smack. He's smooth. He's funny. He's an unbelievable fighter. But he's not that guy that he's going to go out there and necessarily talk to. This is that's what he's doing because you tell me, I, I'll give you a free million dollars, BT. Do we ever see John Jones fight Tom Aspinall? Yes or no? Where's your money going? Yes, I think we are. Really? You think we do? Okay. All right. Well, because there's part of me so. that feels like this John injury is going to take a long time, and that kind of worries me that the Stipe thing might not happen. I don't think you wanted to fight Pavlovich because you can't promote a fight with him. He's a grizzly bear with two fists. Um, <laughs> but Tom Aspinall, I think that, like, as we've said, like, there's already a little bit of drama. I think that there could be a good build up there. I think there actually could be a little bit of spice if it's done the right way. You know, John's kind of the ultimate bad guy. Tom kind of comes off as like, you know, all uh, the all shucks young up and comer. Like, I do think there's a good storyline there that could make a lot of money. Um, and, 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 you know, and Tom being the age that he is, like, he's got time for John Jones. It's not like Stipe where it's like, oh, Stipe is getting older by the second. Your boy, Gilbert Burns, says that he beat up Bilal Muhammad in a rematch. I disagree. I think Bilal Muhammad beats Gilbert Burns. And I think Gilbert's great. Hell, after I saw what he did against Hamzad, I'm like, maybe he's still a top 10 fighter in the world. I just think Bilal Muhammad's super underrated. And I think he'd win the fight. Um, it's a very tough fight. Don't get me wrong. I, and I love Gilbert to death. The one thing I would say is like, he didn't get to fight him. Um, he didn't get to fight him fully. Like he fought him with one arm and he was fighting at a crazy pace. Like he was, you know, think about that. He fought Neil Magny, Masvidal and Bilal all in the span of three months. Uh, it was a crazy thing that he was doing. I, I respect the onions on it. Cause he was trying to fast track his way back to a title shot. Um, but for me, I think they'll have a much better shot if he fights Bilal again. I think that he's very well-rounded. We've seen his striking. Um, and I think that if he has, you know, full health, I think he's a much more dangerous matchup against Bilal. 
Uh, probably one of the better matchups for him in the division, to be honest with you, because there's not a lot of guys that I, I would say that against Bilal Muhammad because, yeah, he's usually going to ragdoll you and hurt you, and he's tough to beat. But I think Gilbert, healthy, does have the capabilities of doing it. Onions! Uh, Tyreek Hill, Miami Dolphins wide receiver, said that this Dolphins team is better than the Chiefs team that he won the Super Bowl with. He's lying, and he knows he's lying. Are you going to fight me? This is a tough thing for me because you're putting it in the phrase of, is he lying, which would call Tyreek Hill a liar. And as I've said on my show many a times down here is Tyreek Hill is not a liar. He is a whopper teller, which means he is a whopper teller. He has belief in a lot of what he says, but he knows how to fluff it up just enough to get people to react. He's a lot like a boxing promoter or an MMA promoter. He just, knows how to, he just knows how to say the things that'll irk the people and get a reaction, whether it's saying two is more accurate than Patrick Mahomes or saying that I can't wait to go back to Arrowhead or whether it was I didn't really fumble that ball against the Chiefs. Like He just knows that there's just an inkling of, of bull bleep that I say will get people upset, but I will not call him a flat-out liar. He's a whopper teller. You kind of called him a fluffer, though. Uh, that's Brendan Tobin. I'm the Sports Machine, Sean Levine. Coming up next, we keep talking fighting. We keep making some money together. After all, it is the Beck QL Network. back with more tapped out with brendan tobin and sean levine on the betql network all right welcome back into the show time to make some money brendan tobin sports machine sean levine ufc austin coming up on saturday night after the promotion took a week off 
Can't wait for some live fights. And they gave us a hell of a card. Let's start at the very top. Benil Daryush, friend of the show, he joined us a couple of months ago, takes on Armand Sarukian. Uh, turns out uh, Daryush was offered Dustin Poirier a couple of times. Poirier turned down that fight, so it turns out it's going to be Armand Sarukian. Sarukian's a minus 275 right now at BetMGM. You can be Benny Daryush at plus 220. I don't give a damn who he's fighting, BT. That's where my money's going. You got charm, dude. You got charm last time around. That's why you like Benny. Benny's your dude, so that's why. Yeah. That's and he why can beat you in a bunch that. of different ways. He'll choke you out. He'll knock you out. Benil Daryush will finish fights. People act like he doesn't. We were talking earlier in the show about Demetrius Johnson, where he kind of got labeled a boring fighter. Same thing with Benny Daryush. That is not the case. Um, yeah, but he did get he did get obliterated his last time around by by Charles Oliveira. They do have I'm a little sure. bit of MMA math uh, recently with uh, the Martus uh, Gamrot fight and uh Sarukian, it was a really good back and forth between them he ends up losing that one Benil uh beat Gamrot and you know it's not like been you know it, I think it's looking probably at this thing as okay he bounces back is this his last chance to kind of get back in the run for a title shot um where Sarukian's a little bit newer into the contendership obviously a young dude is 27 but I I think Sarukian's gonna finish him dude that dude fights bloody the, every one of these finishes, it feels like he is he's just not only beating his opponents, but he's just beating them to a pulp. And, you know, he's at like plus 150 right now for winning by KO. I think Sarukian's going to finish him with some strikes. Sucker. And Benil Daryush, by the way, has been an underdog in five out of his last six fights. So plus 220 does not scare me off. Speaking of underdog, Bobby King Green steps back into the octagon. He's always a dog, too. At plus 165, he was supposed to fight Dan Hooker. Hooker out, Jalen Turner in. Jalen Turner, way too heavy of a favorite, minus 245. I'm going to leave this one alone because I think Turner wins the fight. I'm just not willing to pay the price for it. I like Bobby Green as a dog here. You know, Jalen Jalen Turner, everybody looks at the frame, and, and obviously you see, wow, why, why wouldn't you bet on this guy and the talent that he's got? Um, but you know, I think that for me, first of all, I'm going to be interested in seeing, you know, he missed weight his last time around. So I'm going to be interested in seeing what happens when, uh, he steps to the scale this week. But I just think Bobby green, you know, if you, if there's going to be somebody who I trust with like late changes, he's definitely one of them. I think that he's always live. He comes into these fight weeks, very, very pumped up. Um, you know, got a couple, a couple of wins in a row. Oh, I, I just think that there's great value in Bobby Green coming into this one. I think that I agree with you. I think Jim Turner's a little overblown on the value. So uh, I'm going to go with Bobby Green on this one and take the dog. This is such a fun free card. This is almost like a pay-per-view. This feels like what they gave us in England like a year ago where the entire main card is just bangers. Rob Font takes on Davis and Figueredo. You mentioned the scales. Figueredo fighting up a weight class. He's the dog at plus 125. Rob Font at minus 150. Font's a great fighter, just a little bit too inconsistent. Figueroa's a great fighter, just runs into a lot of bad breaks. I'm going to take the underdog at plus 125. I don't hate it. I think that, you know, it is going to be interesting to see him, you know, in this weight class, and this has been uh, something he's been wanting to do, obviously, to get back after he's been basically tied up with one rival for a long time, so... I wonder what kind of Figueredo we're going to get as far as like just being energized of, of getting this, this new opportunity um, and going in there against the guy, Rob Font, you know, just a vet's vet has been in there with everybody. 
Um, but I, I like him as a dog too. I think that that's a, that's, that's a fun fight. It's a, it's a tough one. I think it could be a coin toss either way, but I think there's, I, I don't, I don't hate your pick there. Figueredo, um, in this one, my pick for fight of the night is Kelvin Gastelum versus Sean Brady Gastelum, even money Brady, the slight favorite now at minus minus one twenty. twist my arm. I think I'll take Gastelum to finish the fight. What say you? I like Sean Brady. I'm not rats off a ship on him. You know, we talked earlier in the show about how good Bilal Muhammad is. Yeah, Bilal Muhammad pieced him up, made his his face look like hamburger meat. It's Bilal Muhammad. You know, like that that guy is really, really good and maybe will be champion very, very soon. I think Sean Brady has shown himself to be one of the brighter prospects in this weight class. Kelvin Gaston is just too much of a wild card for me, man. I just don't trust throwing my money at him because i don't know what i'm gonna get with him and i just think that my money is safer in the hands of sean brady than they are in kelvin gaslam who's like you know usually losing fights he's got a lot of red on his wikipedia over the last uh a last few years of his career yeah he had a great surprising performance against chris curtis i think that uh especially the way chris curtis was fighting at the time i think sean brady's a better fighter than chris curtis and i think that uh, kelvin gaslam is going to be brought back to earth to your point, that night versus Chris Curtis, remember that night against Israel, Adesanya? That thing went the distance, right? That was a great fight. His fight versus Darren Till. Till got the win. I think that he won that fight. So you're right. I mean, it does tell me that he's lost a lot of them. But Kelvin Gastelum is always game. His problem has always been consistency. Do you agree with me that one's got fight of the night written all over it? I, it's a candidate, but like to be fair, like you were saying, this is a great card. Like I can see Font Figueredo having fight of the night written all over it. I could see, you know, Benny and, and Sarukian having fight of the night written all over it. Like the, there is a lot of candidates out of out of these, but it's it, I'm interested to see how these guys go about it. You know, they're both good wrestlers. They both are very well rounded guys. So will that lead to a big strike back and forth? Um, or you know, will will Brady try and like? get back to his roots a little bit after what he went through. Will he be a little bit gun shy after what he went through with Bilal Muhammad? You know, like, is there going to be uh, a case? Cause that's, you know, when you're the hot shot prospect and everybody's like, Oh my God, he's, there's no way this guy's not going to be fighting for a title. And then you get kind of humbled the way that he did. It's interesting to see how he's going to bounce back that from, uh, from a mental standpoint, Kelvin's been through it. I mean, he's grizzled. This is a guy who was back on the ultimate fighter and God knows who, when, and has been, you know, and is only 32 years old. Like he's, he has been wow. around this game forever. You know, he's just been around it forever. Um, but part of his story has been who the hell is showing up in the cage that night? We don't know. Are you sure? So, How is Kelvin Gaslam only 32 years old? How is that possible? I feel like I've been watching crazy. that guy fight for 15 years. That is nuts. Another guy I've been watching fight for 15 years, and that's a fact. The Carpenter, Clay Guida, he's on this card. At plus 260, underdog against Joaquin Silva, you got to pay for the favorite, minus 350. Where's your money going? Um, I'm just going to stay away from this one, man, just because I don't want to bet against Clay Guida. You, you know, that's right. just just seem like a bad person if you do that. I know you'll put your heart insurance on things. That's more of a you thing than it is a me thing. I'm fine just staying away with this one. But, you know, like, look, he he has been win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Like, he has not been... 
this, you know, we talk about like Tony Ferguson just can't even seem competitive in some of these fights. Like Clay Guida has been live and in a, in a lot of his fights It's rare that he shows up there and just gets absolutely cleaned out. Um, so, you so know, where are, we? Be- are we, are we coming off a win or coming off a loss? Cause I'm a pattern better. I'm willing, if you're, I'm willing, if you find a good pattern, I'm willing to bet it. He's alternated over the last six fights. It went win, okay. loss, win, loss, win, loss. So he would oh, be due for a win. Money. This is easy money. Plus You're going up. Carpenter. <laughs> All right. That's where I'm dumping the piggy bank. That's why I have you on the show. Misha Tate is also on this main card versus Julia Avila. Misha Tate plus 135. That number scares me. People know her name more than Avila at minus 165. Only because of that, I think I'm going to pay the 165 on Avila. Yeah, and 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 she's also coming off of a, a couple of losses. Um, you know, it hasn't been like the smoothest comeback for Misha Tate after she got the win in her first uh, performance. You know, it hasn't been uh, as smooth since. So I'm with you. There's a little bit of the uh, the name thing happening there with her, but uh, excited, always excited. Like it's one of those where you know she's a former champ. She's got a uh, cachet to her, so it's always exciting to see her back in there. Now I can't wait for this for this card on Saturday night because I'm going to have all my money on Clay Guida. You're t- win loss, win loss, win loss, and now it's time to win, right? Let's do it, man. Plus two sixty, Benil Daryush Armand Sarukian at the top of the card for my producer Jake Noaker and my co-host Brendan Tobin. I'm the Sports Machine Sean Levine, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Tapped Out.